0: The Final Dump is presented to you by Artec Ventures. The goal at Artec Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artec Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit ArtecVentures.com for more info. <laughs> News
1: Dump. News Dump, yay! News Dump. I mean, that's kind of a loaded question. It's a
0: flag. It's The Final Dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Welcome to The Final Dump, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Brendan Dorzynski, Matt Fralick with you at the end of what has been an insanely busy week. For Green Bay Packers football gearing up to take on the Cincinnati Bengals coming up at noon on Sunday. It should be an extremely fun game, I think. We'll get to our predictions and matchup breakdowns a little bit later. Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest of all time and doing well so far this season, taking on Joe Burrow and the Bengals on the other side, one of the best and most exciting young quarterbacks in the league. A lot to get to on the show today, Matt, before we even get to the matchups and. I think it's fair to say, as we lead things off today, you can't say Brian Gutekunst and the front office aren't trying to do a little bit more to shore up this team for another postseason run.
1: No, not at all. And it may have been up the guy that you guys wanted, but at the end of the day, adding one of these two dudes that were released during the middle of the week, which was pretty strange. Um, still some speculation why that happened. You kind of cleared some of that up for me, which I appreciate, Brendan. So. You gotta respect it. I mean, because five, six years ago, that would never be the case. Especially a name like Jalen Smith, like he's an athletic freak, and they would go get him. So it's been a blessing and fills a need right away. But hell yeah, dude! Shout out to Coons always making moves, even when you think it's just not a possibility with the cap and everything else. And they they've shown that even this past off season, it's awesome. It's 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 a great feeling to have. And I think they're strategical moves. They're never uh you know they're never a jerk decision. Let's
0: get right into it then with Jalen Smith, the former Dallas Cowboy. He is the newest Green Bay Packer. He signs on for a deal worth effectively nothing the Packers are going to pay him under $800,000 thanks to the Dallas Cowboys they are going to pay the rest of his salary for the year which is a tremendous value for the Packers so they essentially get a linebacker for nothing in fact the Cowboys are paying him to play for the Green Bay Packers which is just such a poetic beautiful thing but Jalen Smith gets cut by the Cowboys this week he has really not performed well this season. He has, in the first couple years of his early career, had some really good years. He was a pro bowler back in 2019. That year, he put together 142 combined tackles, two and a half sacks. He's not an edge rusher necessarily. He's much more of an off or in in-the-middle linebacker. He's not going to get after the quarterback much, but he does have nine sacks over his career, is a tackling machine. Almost makes you think a little bit about the Blake Martinez days for the Packers and kind of the way he's fit in with the Cowboys over the last few years, but he's fallen out of favor this year. He's just not a good fit for Dan Quinn's defense down in Dallas and with the way Micah Parsons has played among others for that Cowboys defense, he became expendable despite the fact that they gave him a massive contract just a year or two ago, that was all tied in with the Ezekiel Elliott nonsense they were dealing with when they ended up giving him way too much money, but that's for a Cowboys podcast somewhere else down the line. The point is, jalen smith gets released he ends up signing with the green bay packers now there was a report out of dallas out of wfaa tv i believe it was michael Leslie who reported this that the chiefs were also interested in him because of course every free agent the last two years has pretty much been well do i go with the chiefs to try to chase a ring or do i go to the buccaneers to try to chase a ring he ends up choosing green bay instead and he said on thursday this week a big reason why and this has been reported all over Is the head coach. It's Matt LaFleur, who said in his press conference on Thursday, yeah, he was one of my favorite guys when I was an assistant at Notre Dame. Obviously, there's a relationship there. Smith's not the player he was in college. He was considered at the time a top 10, top 15 prospect as a linebacker, which we know these days you've got to be an otherworldly prospect and athlete to be considered that high in the draft as a linebacker. Then he has the catastrophic injury his last game at Notre Dame. He's never been quite the same player, quite the same athlete in the NFL. But honestly, man, this breaks down to me in two ways. I have two big takeaways. One, again, Goot and the rest of the front office, they're trying. And I don't think you can say, well, this team doesn't care. They won't go make a big move. Jalen Smith, even if he's not the player that maybe his name indicates he is, he's a starting caliber, or at least a rotational caliber piece in the NFL. He's had some success before. He's a name. They're trying to help this team, and I have to say that's commendable, or at the very least, it's what you should be doing. And also, here's the other thing in terms of X's and O's and execution and all that. Is Jalen Smith going to give you better play than Ty Summers on defense? Because if the answer is yes, then this is already a win. Already a win to bring him in.
1: I think it's undoubtedly a yes. Like I mean, from the impact that Devondre Campbell has, and I don't think the, the athleticism is really that close. I think Jalen Smith's way more athletic than Devondre Campbell is. And you look at Smith too; he's never missed a game in the NFL too, which I was kind of shocked going back. It's like he's never missed this. I mean, he's played 16 games in his first three, four years in the league, or three, excuse me, four years. This year hadn't really he hadn't started much, like you said, wasn't really fitting into the Dan Quinn scheme. So you come off that huge injury in injury from Notre Dame, and it really hasn't impacted his NFL career all that much. I think it's a great body to have. It's it's a cheap move for them to get. I think it's an athletic piece. He is only 26 years old. Like if he can play off ball linebacker with Devondre Campbell, if he can come off the edge, potentially, I know that's not his forte, but he's a fast dude. And I don't think it's a bad piece to have by any means. I think he's a versatile piece that they can use. They really don't have this guy a, a skill set like him. I think the next closest might be Oren Burks, and he hasn't really done as much as we thought he would based off his preseason performance. I love the pickup. Honestly, I was shocked when they got him because you don't see a guy like this with this athleticism and this you know football pedigree as much as you would like all the time, and especially that's just cut in the middle of the season. It's bizarre. I think more than likely you kind of mentioned it too with the uh, Ezekiel Elliott contract and all the other contracts that the the Cowboys are going to have. They're like the New Orleans Saints of maybe eighteen months ago, where we're like you're going to run into a shit storm at some point with your contracts. Like it's going to happen. I think kind of, they can maybe see that happening. And based off of what's going on with that defense for the Cowboys, it just isn't seem to be working too much. I don't know if they're transitioning a little way from more linebackers. They're having a really, really good uh, start to the year with Trevon Diggs. some of those younger secondary dudes. So maybe they're trying to transition that defense a little bit. I, I it's, it's weird again though, to see him cut because I thought they had a really good base core of this defensive and this, this linebacker group. Um, they do have guys I think like isn't DeMarcus Lawrence out for the year so there's guys that they're missing on the defensive front seven. I thought Jalen was a piece there but apparently not but shout out to the Packers for going to making a move like this. You are getting from relatively nothing as you mentioned. There's no draft equity. You're paying them pennies on the dollar and thanks for the Cowboys paying them throughout the rest of the year. So at the end of the day if at the very least it's a rental at the even at further down maybe he's just a, a spot like pass coverage guy like who knows like he you don't have to really necessarily get anything out of him. It's a great body to have. They've had injuries every freaking week so far. And that wasn't any, you know, this week was not subject to that outlier. So it's it's unfortunate the Packers keep getting banged up. But they add a player who I think Jalen Smith is going to be a, a great piece for this defense. I'm excited to see what Joe Barry does. And it's awesome that he has a little uh, relationship already with Matt LaFleur when he was back at Notre Dame. So that's that's an integral piece, too. And the fact that he chose it. Chose green bay you know what i mean brendan especially when it's not a tourist attraction it's not a vacation spot it's not a destination spot it's it's awesome that he would pick that especially in october here we're getting some pretty shitty weather i think when you look at it realistically
0: what is the downside to the move that would be my number one and biggest overall question because i know there was some pushback when he was first cut by the cowboys earlier in the week that no This would not be a fit in Green Bay. Here's why he doesn't have that sideline to sideline athleticism like he did as a prospect because of the knee issue that he had at the end of college, et cetera. He's not great in small spaces, whatever. But take into account all the things we've already listed. He's dirt cheap right now. I mean, you're not giving up anything realistically against the cap. To get him because the Cowboys are paying him all of his money this year. You are adding a piece to a roster without having to cut anyone or make a move that you wouldn't have made anyway. The corresponding move to make room for him on the 53 was Chauncey Rivers, who unfortunately got hurt this week with a non contact injury. So that hurts the edge depth a little bit, but he goes on IR. That was going to happen regardless. Jalen Smith comes in. You don't have to make any other moves to the roster. And sure, he's not going to give you much on special teams, but since you can keep everyone else there, Ty Summers, who I hate to rag on him too much, Oren Burks gets thrown in there too because they're not producing defensively, at least producing well. Those guys can stick with their special teams duties or a spot play or a spot snap here and there on defense. And Jalen Smith can take over those defensive snaps. You're not going to fall off lower than where you are with those two out there. So to me, what is really the harm in at least trying this? So I'm glad the Packers really went out and went with the strong recruiting pitch to try to bring him in. Like you mentioned, I'm glad that there is a relationship there with him and Matt LaFleur. And this is what you want out of your front office. Go get a guy who's available who you think can help. And if the Packers say, yes, this is going to improve our very bad linebacking core, then yes, 100%. This is a tremendous move. Now, it's not the only one, Matt, that the Packers were rumored to be involved in just this week. Stefan Gilmore of the New England Patriots two years ago as a corner. He's the NFL defensive player of the year, which is tremendous. And he's a sensational player. And he's had some contract issues with New England. He wants a long-term deal. He's already 31 years old, coming off an injury that ended last year and has kept him on the pup list this year. Without playing, the Patriots said, well, we're not going to pay you because we don't know that you can still go. Coming off a big injury at 31, things kind of fell apart. They end up trading him to Carolina. That's a great fit for... Stephon Gilmore. He's from the town of Rock Hill, which having driven through, I mean, it's right over the border from Charlotte, where the Panthers facility is. He played at the University of South Carolina. He apparently still lives or owns a house a few doors down from Scott Fitterer, the GM down there. I mean, it's a, a great fit for him. They're contending for a playoff spot. Good for Stephon Gilmore. But the reason this is relevant to us is the rumor started coming out from reporters on the day Gilmore was cut that oh, he would like to play in Green Bay. We heard that from Albert Breer, heard that from some other national reporters as well, that, yeah, he's interested in going to play for the Packers, which, of course, got me and everybody else super fired up. Oh, my God, Stephon Gilmore. Hell yeah, even if he's 80% of what he was two years ago, that would be huge for this team. Well, it sounds like that was never realistic because the Packers couldn't have added him by a trade. They only could have added him if he had gotten cut, which clearly wasn't going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. But you factor in all the other issues that the Packers are dealing with at corner. Jair Alexander with the shoulder issue that we don't know how severe it is going into Friday, going into the weekend, at least until this point. They add Rasul Douglas, who is on the Cardinals practice squad. They bring him over to the active roster. There's obviously a state of flux with that group. And while realistically, maybe it never could have worked out in the first place with the money, and I can understand that. It is sort of a bummer, again, to get your hopes up and think, wow, this piece would help us immediately. And realistically, it was never going to happen, and we got our hopes up. But again, that's another position where it is clear the Packers are trying to do something to fortify a group that has been spotty so far this year and is in real danger if Alexander's not able to play.
1: Yeah, I think think if they actually went and got Gilmore, it would have been a little bit more alarming with Jair's, you know, his health, right? I think the, the fact that the, uh, the Patriots put a little pump fake, too. Like, hey, we're going to cut him. Ah, actually, hang on. We're actually going to trade him for a 6 round pick. Like, that was, that was some savvy shit by them. Uh, you know, I think you got to always trust Bill Belichick, too. They're notorious for doing this, for, you know, getting rid of guys before they're past their prime. They've done it a few times where they've missed, but it's very, very rare. Also, you know, you, ta- you asked that question, like, what is, you know, what's the downside of getting Jalen Smith? There really isn't that much. Like, he can, you're not going to stint the growth of anyone else there in that line, in that linebacking room, where unfortunately with was Stefan Diggs, He's five years older than Jalen Smith is. You're only getting your hopes up. Like you mentioned that they're, they're not going to sign into a long-term deal after this year. They might do that with Jalen. Like there is, there is a potential there. I think there's other dudes. You got Jair, you got Eric Stokes, you got Shannon Sullivan, Kevin King. Like you have a pretty deep defensive background when they're healthy. I just, it'd be nice to have Gilmore on the roster. Cause I think he locks down in, you know, on paper, he locks down one side of the field and you have a healthy Jair. I mean, that is disgusting. That is a terrifying situation. But then you have someone's gonna be the odd man now. More than likely it's gonna be Kevin King. So it's just it kind of made things messy, in my opinion. Um, getting your hopes up was it's funny always to see Packers Twitter do that. It's entertaining as hell. And you have like the friends and family that text you like, is this gonna happen? You're like, I don't know, probably not. But then, like when it becomes more and more real, like he wants to go there. I kind of got my hopes up a little bit too, I'm not gonna lie, but he does land a perfect situation from the Panthers. When I found out that he's, his house is like a couple, couple houses away from the general manager, I thought that was hilarious. You know, J.C. Horn, unfortunately, getting out uh, was at week three or week two. Basically an easy replacement for them there on that Panthers defense. That's really, really one of the top defenses right now through the first four weeks. So good situation for Gilmore. Maybe he gets a long-term contract there. The odds of him getting a long-term contract where the Packers are pretty much next to zero would have been a rental at that point where it's I think Jalen might get a contract from the Packers we'll see but I think with the depth that currently is at the linebacker position it made more sense and then with the defensive backs it just didn't make sense to bring in Gilmore to the room at 31 years young it just I don't think it was going to work but I wouldn't lie I was fantasizing about it it would have been pretty damn cool to have two of the top five potentially corners on the Packers and We've seen that's been their kryptonite the last couple years a few times. Like that that might have been something to lock down that defense and give Joe Barry another piece to to screw around with.
0: In a lot of ways in life, I'm a React first, think second kind of guy. So I see this and I think, oh my God, this is great. Secondary is gonna be locked down whenever Jair is ready to go. Alexander and Gilmore and Stokes, oh man, this is this is perfect. Hell yeah. Then I woke up a little bit more because I saw that you know fairly early in the morning and then thought, okay, well, the money is going to be tough here. So if it's going to work, probably going to have to give up some real draft capital for it, but okay. And then I was, well, he wants a long term deal. Packers are already 22 million over the cap or something for next year. So that might not be very easy to do. And then, of course, it all falls apart and the disappointment sets in. And it's funny when they talked to, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams this week in the the media core for the Packers. And they pretty much said, yeah, we thought it'd be cool, but we didn't really get our hopes up for it. And that's actually kind of how I was feeling, except I had been a little more invested in it. But really, this all comes down to something you brought up, Matt. The fact that it's scary, it's gross, it is unfortunate that We don't know for now what the situation is with Jair Alexander. And we may find out. We might find out on Friday or Saturday or whenever within the next 24, 48 hours what the situation is with him. If it's minor enough that he has to sit out for three weeks, they can come back with a brace the rest of the season, or if he needs to have season-ending surgery. It's just a scary place to be. And you're right. I mean, there is depth. And you have Eric Stokes, who's been very good as a rookie. Now, granted, he's been covering number twos instead of number ones, but for what he's been asked to do, he's done well. You've got Kevin King, who, for all the flack he takes, he is a veteran. He has had good moments in the past. You essentially know what you're getting from him. You've got Shandon Sullivan. You've got the rookie, Gene Charles. Like I mentioned, you bring in Rasul Douglas, who, at least, if nothing else, knows some of the guys in the secondary. He and Shandon Sullivan were teammates briefly in Philly back in 2018. So you've got depth there. But I don't think there's any denying missing the first or second best cornerback in the NFL is going to make this a difficult stretch, however long that stretch is for Green Bay.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. It's it, you know I was at the game on Sunday and when I saw Jair getting carted off, I'm like, it actually, first we saw him get off on the field on his own power, and you're like, oh, well, at least it's on a lower body. And then he's getting carted off. You're like, ah, maybe it's just, a step. but it's like, well, shit. Like you find out it's a shoulder. We're like no duh, you walked off the field and AC joint sprain, like. You can play through it for what it sounds like, but it can be super, super painful. Um, if there's some structural damage there, you see if you can push through without surgery. As LaFleur had said this week, if there's surgery involved, it's more than likely season ending or if not 100% season ending. It's just – it really sucks, man. Like, we've gone through so many – I honestly felt like we were, as a Packers fans, like, up through, like, early August. We were like, damn, dude, nothing in this off season, nothing – mini camp training camp rookie camp preseason games and it's like tiaries on the pup all right screw it like fine then elton's gets banged up then then kevin king's banged up then mvs is banged up and i'm sure there's guys along the way that i've missed chauncey rivers gets banged up now we have jair it's like they just keep coming and coming with these freaking injuries and it sucks and like i just feel like if without jair out there you're in a situation where it's okay eric stokes has looked good but what happens we've got to cover come the number one not the number two and okay, what happens when maybe 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 Stokes is the number one corner at this point? I don't even know if Jair's out, but then you still have Kevin King out there who hasn't looked good at all this year. It's just a it's a really, really rough situation to be in and affects many, many aspects of that defense because Jair can cover a shit ton of field. We've seen that time and time again, especially with that pick he had earlier in the year. It's bad. I think my expectation is they probably sit him for the next two weeks. Get him ready for Washington is my guess. It, it, if I had to guess... It would suck to see him go down with a a surgery. You got to kind of protect him, though, if he's one of the cornerstones on your defense. But it's it leaves the Packers in a terrible situation when it comes to defense. If you got Stokes and King out there as your number one and two.
0: That's unfortunately, and you were mentioning, Matt, that there have just been so many injuries. And it feels like it's not even a wave of them. It just feels like it's one by one. And it's Mm -hmm. like you're chopping off branches of a tree or something you've got this big full flourishing tree as the training camp period the preseason wrap up and then you're chopping off one branch and you're chopping off another and oh well you just chopped off a gigantic log in Jair Alexander and that's tough and that's tough for any team to bounce back from and it's not the only injury that really stands out on the injury report this week both of these teams both the Packers and Bengals are super banged up You look at the Cincinnati side of the injury ledger, they had 10 guys who were either out or limited in practice on Thursday, including a bunch of dudes who are contributors to them. You look at center, Trey Hopkins, their starting running back, Joe Mixon, a bunch of dudes in their secondary, Chidobe Awuja, uh, Trey Waynes got hurt on Thursday with a hamstring. Never good to pull a hamstring or do something to your hamstring in the middle of the week. That is always a very bad sign for a player. A couple other guys as well have been banged up. Then you go back to the Packers side and yeah, we know about Jair's injury and we've gone over Chauncey Rivers lose some edge depth there because he suffered an injury earlier in the week. But the ones that stand out the most to me are on the offensive line. So Elton mm-hmm. Jenkins is able to get back to practice in a limited capacity on Thursday, which is great and has me hopeful that he can be ready to go for the game on Sunday. Because if he can, you're feeling pretty good. This Cincinnati defense has really improved this year their defensive line last year was horrendous but it has improved a lot adding trey hendricks into that defensive front has really helped them generate pressure some young guys out there as well they've really improved in that regard so getting elton back in some form or fashion would be a positive But then the countermeasure to that is that Josh Myers, your rookie center, has been out all week. He's dealing with a finger injury, which, depending on which finger it is, I suppose, probably makes snapping the ball extremely and maybe excruciatingly difficult. So now you end up with a weird situation, Matt, where you could, depending on how Myers feels Friday and Saturday, get him out there and you have – your full accompaniment sans Bakhtiari of offensive linemen should big e be able to go or if one can and one can't maybe you stick with the same line you've had the last two weeks if myers is out but elton is in maybe he slides back at left tackle and you move the inside guys around maybe you put jenkins back at center where he's played a little bit before and obviously has experience from college as well you keep Nijman out at left tackle you keep running that left guard it's nice to have depth and it's nice to have good depth if you're Green Bay, which is encouraging, but you're probably going to have to get creative if you're Adam Stenovich, Nathaniel Hackett, and Matt LaFleur piecing together that offensive line this week because of all the injuries.
1: It sucks, man. Like Elton coming back's awesome and it seems like he's gonna be going this week from from what I you know, my opinion and what everyone said at practice on Thursday but that Myers injury really really blows like having a finger injury for a center I is I, assuming it's on his snapping hand if it was on his you know his non-dominant hand I imagine it wouldn't be that big of a deal but not only is it probably painful you can't get a good grip on the ball it's been raining in Green Bay basically since Sunday when the Packers last played it's supposed to rain for the next week that gripping of the ball is going to be a pain I, I just can't imagine that's that's a good situation for the young man and like you said I've been beating the drum for this for a couple months now or even longer, but especially over this last offseason where the Packers continually are getting guys in that defensive or excuse me, that offensive line room that are just like versatile as hell and they can plug and play dudes. They're not this isn't a, the Ted Thompson era where we had to worry about you go down with a, a tackle and you're basically bumping out a guard that's never played, or like you have a Jason Spriggs out there who's an absolute, you know, basically a you know, a bar door, just letting guys through. It's a, it's a great situation to be in, and it but it does make it confusing, right? Like we would had this a couple weeks ago, like Yosh Nijman. We didn't expect to play there. I think everyone thought that wasn't going to be the case, and he's looked good for two weeks now. It's not a foregone conclusion that Elton come back and play left guard, especially with Myers banged up and Yosh playing well at left tackle. So you don't have to really worry about getting Elton on the outside until Bakhtiari comes back. It's it's a nice luxury to have. It just kind of gives you some uncertainty, but I. Based off of what they've done with Elton out and i out, I'm, I'm very confident in Stenevich and the offensive linemen to perform well. Um, unfortunately, you know, looked at – you go down the list a little bit too. Dennis Kelly, I believe, isn't he on with COVID right now? Or is he just a regular illness? So he's not going to be playing like more than likely. You lose a guy there, but he hasn't really done all too much. He, I, don't even, I don't even think he's barely suited up for many games. So it's getting a little thin. Uh, they have a quite a bit depth there, but you hope that – if Myers goes it's a it's not a second guess thing. I think they have options there, whether it's like you mentioned Jenkins, I think Lucas Patrick could obviously play that spot, so we'll see what happens with the offensive line it's gonna be it's dicey, but I think as we progress forward into the into you know into fall, they're gonna definitely have a lot of guys healthy here in a couple of weeks. Bakhtar will be coming back sooner than later. Elton's obviously gonna be damn near hundred percent come week six, so they're in a good. They're in a good spot. Let's just get through this week. But there is some. I mean, DJ Reed's a really solid dude up front. You mentioned Hendrickson. I think he's another great player they brought in. But that front seven's not. It's nothing like we saw the last two weeks, right? Versus Pittsburgh and San Francisco. But it's still. It still can cause some havoc. And I think the the Bengals are playing with a lot of swagger, a lot of confidence. They're leading that division right now. So you do have to be a little bit. These these aren't the. These aren't the Andy Dalton uh, Bengals. These aren't the. I don't even know who they had after Andy Dalton. But I think. The Bengals right now are a a tough team. They have some really good players on either side of the ball. Unfortunately, they're very, very banged up, as you mentioned. But I think the Packers have a, a favorable matchup here. Let's just hope this offensive line can hold strong, establish the run game, get those quick passes out that we've seen the formula has bend and let Aaron Rodgers still basically cruise to victories with this team.
0: Ryan Finley is somewhere weeping that you forgot his name after Andy Dalton Sorry, left Ryan. the Bengals. Sorry, Ryan. I I, I apologize. think the NFL weeps that Ryan Finley was ever an NFL quarterback. I think the silver lining with this is that come week 11, I'm going to be so excited about this offensive line because we're going to know there are about 10 dudes who could all start and play at a high level with how many different guys have had to suit up or, or move around. I mean, at this point, Lucas Patrick's the what eighth or ninth best guy. And if you needed to start him, you could because he's been a starter already this season. So you're super confident once everyone's healthy. The unfortunate thing is just that right now, almost no one is healthy. So that's obviously a concern. And if Big E can go, that's going to solve a lot of problems this week, even if Josh Myers does have to sit down because of that finger issue. Let's take that and move it into some pregame stuff, some preview stuff for Packers Bengals coming up on Sunday. I actually think this is going to be a really fun game. I love Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is awesome. I'm not sure that Zach Taylor is actually a good coach or play caller, but Joe Burrow is talented enough. He's, He's just got that it thing about him. And I think you could tell that when he was in college and lighting it up at LSU and even last year when they were terrible. And before he got hurt, you could just tell he's got that something in him. I really wish nothing but success for him. I think he's a great dude and a great quarterback, but of course I don't wish him much success in this game against the Packers. So I will ask you what I often do, Matt, going into game weekend. What's the matchup in this game that really stands out to you? Because well, I think the Packers are a better team in pretty much every regard. I do think there are some interesting player versus player or position versus position matchups for this weekend.
1: Hell yeah. Um, You know, I want to just throw out there the two, the Joe Mixon injury. Like he, I think it was like the last minute of the game last week too. And he tweaked his ankle too, which is pretty crazy. So we'll see what they do with the running backs there. I think it's from what the sounds of it, it's going to be a uh, little platoon situation. I feel like I keep going to this matchup every week, but it's so obvious to me that it's, I have to talk about it. If Jair doesn't go, the matchup between Eric Stokes and Jamar Chase, I think, is just antagonizing. Like, Jamar, you want to talk about a guy, Joe Burrow, you you said, you know, lit it up, but I thought that was a cigar reference. You know, I'm not so sure, but Jamar, the, the chemistry between Jamar Chase... And Joe Burrow is unbelievable, and it's amazing that Jamar Chase has been able to see the the NFL balls compared to the NCAA balls. You know, without the white stripe, he's really made that transition very, very well. That he thought was going to be a concern, but dude, this kid's lighting it up. Like he's he's solid. I think Jamar Chase is a hell of a talent. I think he's going to give the Packers secondary some fits. Lord help us if Kevin King is lined up over Jamar Chase a few times, because I don't think that's a a favorable position at all for Kevin King. That rookie-on-rookie matchup could be a blast. I think it's 100% the defensive backs versus Jamar Chase. I think T. Higgins, potentially, he's been a little bit banged up. It looks like he was limited in practice again with that shoulder. Tyler Boyd has stepped up very, very well the last couple weeks without uh, T. Higgins at full strength. So Specifically, it is... The Jamar Chase versus Kevin King or Eric Stokes, and then overall that receiving core because it's kind of like last week where good receiving core. I think it's a, definitely a notch below of what the uh, talent wise of what the Bengals have with the Steelers. So that's the one I look at, and then probably secondarily I will look at the our offensive line if we can establish the run that's been huge. And especially with just guys that are banged up, that's that's always what it seems to be. I always seem to be picking the receivers versus def- defensive backs and our offensive linemen. I think that's just what it is. I don't see anyone – there's not really anyone on the defense per se that scares me. Uh, Jesse Bates is banged up. So if he's a full participant and fully ready to go, that's a guy that's been really super underrated for the Bengals in that defense. But other than that, um, I would say for sure our, uh, our, our secondary versus Jamar Chase and our offensive line versus – um I guess their interior
0: no I'm with you on both of those matchups and I think you laid out all the names there the whole Bengals receiving core I don't know if there's that quite elite guy among them and Jamar Chase might get there because he was another dude who was so good in college didn't play last year he opted out for the COVID year but after a rough preseason he's been tremendous to start this year he looks like he's going to be a stud Higgins if he can play, that's a big body. If nothing else, that is difficult to match up with. Tyler Boyd has become a really nice player out of the slot. Let's throw in the tight end as well. CJ Uzama, he had a big week against Jacksonville yeah. on Thursday night this past week. Something interesting to note as well with all the injuries, Cincinnati's coming off of a long week too since they played Thursday last week all the way to Sunday this week. Who knows where the rest versus rust factor is going to come in there. Not sure it'll help much again because they've had so many dudes who've been injured, but the... Deep, although not especially talented, outside of Stokes anyway, secondary for the Packers against that wide receiver core and against Joe Burrow, that's going to be, I think, a really interesting matchup. I'm taking the over in this game. I'm going to just say that right now. I think you could end up with a lot of points in this contest. The secondary matchup, though, I'm interested in, The Packers have run the ball effectively over the last couple of weeks. I know it hasn't been for huge gains over and over, but the run game has been effective for what the Packers want to do, that short game with the offense. And Rodgers now, it's at some astronomical number in a row of games from which he hasn't thrown for over 300 yards, which is kind of crazy. But when you think of he makes the smart throw, the deep ball hasn't been there this year. I mean, that's been the one element of the offense that just, has not clicked at all through four games, and I'm optimistic that at some point it will. But they've made things work with the running game, with the short game. Aaron Jones has obviously been great. Cincinnati's defense, for as good as the pass rushing development has been for them on the defensive front, right now they have the number six... Run defense DVOA in the league, which shocked me. I thought it would have been far lower than that. So, at least one metric is saying they're a top 10 run defense right now. I think that's interesting to note because if the Packers get thrown off with the run game, we've seen that that can stunt this offense a little bit. So, I think that's something to watch. If the Packers can run the ball effectively, though, whether it's Jones, Dylan, what the hell, throw Kylan Hill in there, whoever ends up being the hot hand. I think that's going to change things a lot for Green Bay, and I think that's going to put the Packers in an extremely favorable position. So that brings us to our prediction for this week, Packers-Bengals. The spread, the Packers are favored in this one on the road in Cincinnati. How do you see this one playing out?
1: First of all, I go back here. I had to, I had to pull that stat up that you you mentioned here. He has you 300 yards. He's thrown for 300 yards, but he hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a win since November 15th of last year versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. So He's thrown for 300 cents but they've all been in losses OT versus the Colts the following week after that obviously the NFC championship loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks. so I don't think it really matters if he throws for 300 whatever but it's it's kind of hilarious that he hasn't thrown for that uh also you you talked about the over under 50 and a half points 50 and a half points that seems like a lot to me like I'm looking at the other ones for this week it looks like Bills Chiefs are 56 and a half Uh, Giants-Cowboys somehow are 52. That seems almost impossible. Hopefully, they're expecting Danny Dimes. So, it's it's the third highest over-under. I'll still smash the over with you. I think that's good. I'm looking at the weather here, too. It looks like it's not supposed to be raining, but based off, like I said, with this week and the meteorologists I trust around the area, it seems like it's, it's potential for rain. So, Packers are favored. They are favored by three points. Generally, across the board, novice 101 betting will tell you if a team's at home, three points is very standard. So that is what the Packers are at. I'm going to stick. I've been pretty damn close the last couple of weeks. I've only been off by a few points here or there. Obviously we were super wrong on, was it the Niners game a couple of weeks ago? Yes. So uh, we, we blew the, blew our socks off with that one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 27, 21 Packers. I think, I think I'm going to stick into that range. I, I just don't. This this offense to me yet hasn't clicked enough, obviously, besides the Niners game where they're putting up a ton of points. So I, I feel confident in that. The Detroit game was up there, but I just don't see them being a, a high scoring team if they're going to try to get the ball, the running game established and with the weather. I could see that being a factor. Maybe you could get to a shootout with Joey Burrow. Like I said, I could see Jamar Chase having a big day, but I'm going to go. I'll go twenty seven, twenty one Packers.
0: I'll give you the same margin. I'm just going to add a couple more points on either side. I'm going to go Packers 30, Bengals 24. I think this feels like the kind of game it might be a two-touchdown game with five minutes to go and since he tacks on a late touchdown or kicks a late field goal, something like that, because I do think their offense can put up points. And again, I have an unabashed bromance brewing with Joe Burrow, but I do think the Packers are the better team here. The implied score, if you want to look at it from a betting perspective, it's something in the neighborhood of about 27 to 24, depending on what spread you're looking at, what over under total you're looking at. I think the Packers can win by more than that. So I'll say 30-24. And that is a good point that the offense has not quite been to its peak yet because they haven't put up a ton of points. And last week against Pittsburgh, it sort of felt like one of those games in Madden, and I know you know this feeling, where you've been playing and it's going super well. Then fourth quarter starts and, okay, I'm just kind of messing around on the sticks now. And, okay, I'm, I'm sort of ready for this game to be done. Let's just run a few plays, you know get out of here and save the game and be done and go do something else. That's sort of what that game last week felt like, in a good way, because the Packers Mm -hmm. ended up winning, but I think this one's going to have a little more action from front to back, so I'll go 30-24, to but we've both got the Packers winning by about a touchdown in this one in Week 5. It should be a really fun one. We'll be reacting to it throughout the weekend and going into next week as well. You can follow all of that on Twitter. Matt's on Twitter at Matt underscore F-R-A underscore. I'm on Twitter as well at Brendan DZW. Matt, it's going to be a fun one. Going to be tough for you not going to the game this week i'm sure you got very used to the lambo boxes very nice very very bougie way to watch the game uh just playing with you obviously but uh it'll be fun to watch from home and hopefully it will be a four and one start once again for the green bay packers
1: dude first of all it was kind of boxes it's like the outside outside club seats, so it's just like you're kind of just like per perforated off I didn't really realize that I thought we'd have an option to go inside but it's like only in the club level you can't actually go inside and like where it's like they got the buffet and the free drinks that wasn't the case the best thing about it was it didn't actually rain I didn't have to get a poncho I didn't get soaked I didn't have to hear my girlfriend with me getting soaked that that would have been a pain in the ass I get to watch it from the comfort of my own home and it's a noon game we get back and we get back into the back into the routine of waking up in the morning watching the pregame watching Terry Bradshaw basically struggle with life and then it's <laughs> a the transition to the noon game. Like that's that's the best part. And I get to hang out at home and watch the games have the NFL red zone on. It's it's good. But yes, I'm I'm excited for the game. It's gonna be a hell of a game. I think I think there's probably a lot of casual fans that are maybe sleeping on the, the Bengals a little bit. I didn't really realize they were leading the division but I have watched their games and they've looking pretty damn good. I think they looked pretty shitty on Thursday night football last week like you mentioned versus the Jags but Thursday night football is generally like that. They did pull it off and I think being on that rest, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what that'll do for them. That, that, that That's a great point you brought up, Rust, or um, overall, just, I don't know if they're, they're ready to go. So we'll see. It should be a hell of a game. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. It should be a really fun one. We'll be reacting to it on Twitter all week, all weekend long. We'll be back with you coming up next Friday to get you ready for the first Bears Packers weekend of the year. Very excited for that. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday against the Bengals. We will talk to you next Friday. For Matt Freilich, I'm Brendan Dworzynski. This is the Final Dump, brought to you by Game On Wisconsin. Well, Wayne, I think this is one that Vince Lombardi and George Halas would be proud of. You could have
1: well, given me a touchdown. That is hard to overturn, you know what I mean? I a good effort, What's though, Wasn't it was a pretty other. good effort. <laughs>